Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. And yes, it does. Right now, our number 347-826-9170 if you'd like to be a part of the show. And today is Thursday, June 7th, 2012. And Don and I are here to kick off a new series of programs for you this evening as we will be talking with current professional truckers who are active in social media as well as in issues facing drivers in the industry as well. Uh, You hear a lot about social media these days, Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and YouTube, and, of course, a wonderful world of blogging. So social media has transformed the way businesses do business, providing uh, real-time and often live communication between businesses and customers, drivers with drivers, creating a viral effect that can spread your message to literally millions of people within a matter of seconds. And uh, Donna, we were scrambling around there. Are you on there? I'm here. Oh, oh, you made it? Did you, How's that PC working? Um, well, actually, I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of three things, and I'm trying to get my, my laptop going that uh, Jason sent us. And I'm seeing if I can just figure this all out because, you know, technical issues is not my forte. Well, if that Firefox installed, that, that ought to fix it. But, okay, we'll just keep rolling along here. You know, in the in the days before social media, how often did a driver get to uh, correspond with associations such as the FMCSA or or the DOT, for example? But now today, drivers can instantly reply to or correspond with agencies, associations, or other drivers with the click of a button and can share their thoughts and ideas, opinions, and solutions on on any matter facing drivers or the industry and can have their voice heard instantly, and that voice can even go viral across the globe within minutes and simultaneously seen, read, and heard by millions. So professional truckers can uh, instantly become involved with important decision-making issues such as the use of EOBRs, a big thing right now, sleep apnea criteria, and the uh, problems faced with truck driver fatigue, just to name a few. So this evening, we're going to talk about these issues from a driver's point of view using the power of social media and what powers those are and how those powers are being used by many of today's professional CMV drivers. So our special guest this evening is Sandy Long, a 40-year veteran of the industry, racking up millions of safe miles She's a published author of Street Smarts, a guide for a truck driver's personal safety and arriving alive personal safety and driving tips for motorists. 
and links to her books on the show's description. And if you're considering her career as a truck driver, especially if you're a female considering a professional truck driving career, I would urge you to get her books and learn from a lady trucker who has survived life on the road for 40 years. So our show this evening, Truck Drivers and Social Media, our interview with Sandy Long. She's coming up on this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I hear from a lot of newcomers to the industry who still have that entrepreneur spirit that has made the United States of America the great country that she is. And many of them still have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner-operator. Truth About Trucking Live is all about providing honest, reliable information about the OTR trucking industry, especially for those just beginning their truck driving careers. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that has kept America moving since trucks were first used by the military in World War One. If you're considering starting your own owner-off business, there's only one name that you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plans in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final monthly payment, they hand over the title, the truck is yours. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month, and sometimes even less. A great inventory to choose from, including Peterbilts, Volvos, Internationals, and Freightliners, and all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go to work. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to change motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free, 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys for the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com. Man, it's crowded tonight. Care if I join you? Sure, have a seat. Sorry about the paperwork. <laughs> Name's Cole. Appreciate it. I'm Harlan, by the way. Here's a fill-up for you guys. Thanks, honey. Harlan, you look hungry. What can I get you? I'll have a Coke and whatever he's having. Back in a bit. What are you doing with all this paperwork, driver? Looks like you're tripping over your trip sheets. want to get a jump on these taxes before they jump me. There is a better way to manage your trucking paperwork. With TripSheetCentral.com, you're a login away from tracking every aspect of your business. TripSheetCentral.com organizes your information easily so you can see how your business is performing. That sounds easy. And it's fast. Time-consuming paperwork is eliminated with a low-cost monthly subscription. I no longer have to worry about invoices, settlement reports, or fuel tax returns. TripSheetCentral.com does that for me. Manage your business information securely with TripSheet Central. Visit TripSheetCentral.com at your next stop. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, Donna, you get it going? 
Well, I'm having all kinds of issues here. It won't let me comment, and it shows that I'm signed in, but now it's telling me I need Flash Player. Oh yeah, you do. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to get a uh, we'll have to get Flash Player installed. You know, I got logged on to the show in about 73 seconds before the show started. So. <laughs> well, I'm clicking the link. I'm going to try to install it now because I really want to do the chat room. Okay. Well, the chat's up, and um, uh, just go ahead and install Flash Player, and then you ought to be set. I forgot all about that. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. Always fun fun here. So. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Uh, our phone lines are filling up. I appreciate it. See everybody there, uh, all the area codes. I can't call off the states because I don't have it in front of me, but thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. And um, our guest, professional truck driver, uh, author, blogger, freelance writer, uh, Sandy Long. So, Sandy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine, Alan. Thank you for having me on your show this evening. Well, I'm glad I'm glad to have you here. I would assume are you out on the road somewhere still? Yeah, um I was sitting stage to deliver Detroit in the morning. Oh, okay. So you're there ready to go. Yep, sure am. Parked up for the night. Well, listen, I appreciate you joining us this evening. You know, 40 years, that's a that's a long time. You must you must really love what you do. Well, I started out uh I started traveling carnivals in 1972, and I was an old farm girl. I was 19 years old, and they needed a driver one weekend, and the boss man knew I was an old farm girl. He said, can you drive truck? I said, yeah, and I went and found somebody to show me how. And uh, that's how I got my start, drove seven years there, uh, in addition to my other work, and then went over the road in 1982 professionally. And... uh, been driving you, made, off and on since, and got a couple of years in the office, and you know. Yeah, I um, well, I may make you feel old. You started in '72. I was uh, I was only 13 when you started driving. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, you know, I'm 59 now, but near retirement, if and the regs keep going. There's <laughs> only six years difference. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, but I got to thinking about that. Let's see, she started in 72. I, I was just a little fella. I was only 13. Oh, oh you're too much. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, just a puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, why uh, why do you think there are drivers such as yourself who really enjoy driving and what they do, and yet there are so many others that are on the opposite end of the scale? What has made this profession so different for you? Well, it's money. Just plain and simple. Um, I can't make in the private sector, uh, you know, being a secretary, I've got a business and office degree, but I can't make any money at it. So I'm out here where I can make a living and support myself. Well, uh, are, how, how big, you know, I don't want to give any name. Probably everybody knows who you drive for anyway, but how big is the company? How many trucks do they have that you drive for now? 28. Well, see, that was my point, and I had a feeling you were going to say something like that. Uh, I've always looked and I've always noticed that it's generally you can kind of get the better deal, the best deals, the best driving deals with these smaller companies. Do you agree than than these big me- mega companies? Well, in my estimation, but then again, I'm an old hand. You know, there wasn't such things as mega companies. You know, when I started. Right. You know, a big company, 500 trucks, my goodness, they were a big company. Right. And uh, 
you know, I don't like being micromanaged. I was with one little flatbed company for nine years and uh, left them here in 06, I think it was, and I went to a 100-truck company. And they were they were one of these where every day you got your transport topics message on your phone system, and they put one of them satellite deals in there. You know, I think they called people net, and they started micromanaging. And I said, it's time for me to go. <laughs> and I came over here, here to the little company I drive for now, and you know, it's here's your load, here's the appointment, get her done. And, you know, it's just they treat me with 100% respect, and I've got adequate home time and flexible home time, and, you know, I'm treated like a truck driver here, not a clone or meat in the seat. Right. And I I think that's the difference for me. But now I know some people with them big mega companies, they just absolutely love them, but they started out with them, and they were brainwashed. (laughs) And to believe in it, that was the way trucking was to be. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was just curious. You know, I don't really get to talk to too many uh, lady drivers, especially with someone like yourself with so much experience. What what, uh, what advice would you give those um, ladies out there listening that's considering truck driving as a career, but they may be thinking, oh, I could never do that? Well, with, in today's world, with uh the type of equipment that's available, you know, you don't need to be big and strong to drive truck anymore because, you, you know, you got conventional tractors and you got walk-in sleepers and power steering and seats that adjust 40 different ways to Sunday. So why not? But the main thing to do is do your homework. Do your homework on your training, uh, your trucking school, and then do your homework on your training company. And anybody that that wants, I have lists that they can have. Uh, they can contact me. I'll get them to them uh, about how to go about choosing a proper trucking uh, school and how to choose a proper training company. Uh, you know, everybody's a little different. Everybody has different needs. But you have to do your homework. Definitely, especially with the, do. especially with. Hi, Sandy. This is Donna. Uh, hi, Donna. Hey. Um, especially with the training companies, with all that's coming out now, um, I, I know I know a lot of the women want to have trainers because of um, harassment issues. Uh, I know that's not a topic tonight, but since it came up, you have to be um, so careful and do your homework. Your, who your trainer is, know something about them. Uh, you just have to be careful. You have to be smart, you know, like that book, you know, Street Smarts. You have to be smart and not get into the situations that so many of these women are getting into. I think, and um, as you, you all know, and maybe some of your listeners know, I work a lot with new and prospective drivers. I've had a Yahoo group up since 2005, and I've worked with a lot of women. And I tell every one of them the same thing. The first thing to do is set your boundaries from the get-go. Um, unfortunately, you know, with only 6% of the, the drivers out here being female, there's not enough female trainers going around. Uh, so, you know, if you if you get assigned a male trainer, set your boundary right from the start. Conduct yourself properly. Don't get into intimate conversations with them or, or cute jokes. 
you know, right. don't don't go beyond the barrier. And then if something is going on, document, document, document. Start a right. notebook. Start and a have notebook. Some numbers. If nothing nothing Those. else. Well, some companies, surprisingly, uh, some of the big mega companies actually have 800 numbers set up specifically for their female students. But and, and they take quick action, you know, in case of problems. Some, you know, some. The only problem is um, some of the people we've heard from, um, they say if you're caught on the weekend, you can almost forget trying to get a hold of anybody. That's that's one well, of the that's biggest. Well, that's why you document, document, document. I worked in a trucking company office for two years, and my main title was in the personnel department. And we hired a lot of women students. And, you know, when you come down to a he said, she said situation, Without documentation, I mean, you know, you're kind of dead in the water. That's why you document, document, document. And it can be something as simple as having a small notebook and making a continuous record. Date, time, what happened? Date, time, what happened? Date, time, what happened? With no spaces. Because then you have documentation. Or you can even document on your logbook, which is a federal document. Um, if If you've got a recorder, record, you know, what's going on. Of course, if it becomes physical then immediately get off the truck and seek help. I mean immediately. But, you know, if it's a whole other document, well, Uh, yeah, we could do a whole show on that. Yeah, I sure could. I know people are waiting for the the, the show tonight. uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. Training is one of my big Once once Alan brought up the topic, what do you want to tell women, and uh, you mentioned the CDL training. My, my, you know, I'm thinking of all the emails I get, and I said, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about this because it is important and uh, it is worthy of a, another show. It's been like a year and a half since we've done a show on uh, something like that, so um, I definitely mark that one down. We can do one. Yeah, on I that. think you have to approach it with common sense, though. You know, and and working in personnel as long as I did and as many females as came through. And, of course, we did have situations where there were problems. But then uh, we also had situations where the women actually could not do the job, um, either due to poor training at the schools or whatever, or they just didn't have the aptitude, which, you know, it happens with men too. There's guys that wash out all the time because they just can't do it. And, you know, contrary to public belief, you cannot teach a monkey to drive a truck. You know, you have to have the aptitude aptitude and um, very true. unfortunately a lot of people don't uh, don't want to accept that and then they they pull excuses both male and female do it they pull excuses out of why they failed and so you have to be really careful sometimes well you know um you're another cdl uh driver training advocate for better standards in the industry oh yeah One thing that would help that tremendously is improving the CDL training uh, standards, which would actually improve the trainers because there would be more uh, background checks and you'd need more than six months to be a trainer. Let's face it. Oh, yes. Let's face it, three months. (laughs) No, I've heard that. I I find that almost believed, but I've heard that. Yeah. Oh, you know that's a whole that's a you know whole new show and boy can we go to town on that one. Oh yeah, uh, invite me please. Yeah, okay, <laughs> for sure. Well, that's it's just my in- soapbox. Trading regs is my soapbox. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll have to get you on here again because I like to pick your brain. Like I said, there's not too many women out there that um, I get to talk to much that has your you know years of experience and everything. So you're you're very unique to the industry. But uh, uh, let me look here. I got a. Um, uh, uh, let's see. A lot of our lines are already filled up with our listeners. Let's grab a let's grab a caller here who's been holding for a little bit. Let's go to uh, uh, Virginia, area code eight zero four. Go ahead. Welcome to the show. Hi, my name is uh, Hugh, and I was looking to address the uh, social uh, uh, marketing and uh, the strategies that can be utilized by uh, truckers as they're driving that they can bring additional income streams to their families. Well, that, that's, we're going to talk a little bit, bit about that after uh, after the show because I'm going to make some announcements. But just um, offhand, I, I will tell you, and I'm not trying to plug the convention, but it is going to sound like one. That's exactly what we're going to have uh, as part of the uh, convention in October with our um, with our speaker uh, to help truckers do that. Um, just offhand, with my very little knowledge, I, I would say Facebook and Twitter. Uh, are extra excellent ways and a blog and um, AdSense if uh, if you so choose and but there's so much more to that that you know that's why we were so thrilled to have Chris Foss as our social media speaker because he's like ranked number 18 in Forbes magazine so uh, anyway I, is is that kind of like the answer you're trying to get to. No, but I'll uh, leave a uh, word. I tried calling Mr. Smith's number, but there's no answering machine currently. But, uh, no, this is – I'll give you an idea. This is a global platform marketing organization. It's referral-based. And there's a just to give you an example of the power of it, a, a restaurant, a French restaurant in Texas came into this organization and just using one of the tools, which was a video email, sent it to his customers of the chef preparing an entree. As a result of that, the sales doubled. But if he took it a step further, since it's referral-based and extended it to his business clientele, it would bring an additional stream of income for him, and it would bless his business clientele because as they got active in the organization, not only would it pay for their meal, it probably would allow them to eat free at the restaurant for the rest of their lives. So it's a whole it's taking creative utilization of information with networking and social media under the umbrella of strategic marketing. It's a whole new mindset. Well, it is. Um, a lot of drivers, though, like um, uh, Sandy and many others, uh, use social media also to, and we do too, to get our to have our voices heard. Um, uh, obviously, truckers do want to have a, another source of income, so I'm sure they'll be interested in learning about that also. But uh, uh, we're going to be having these shows to talk about the um, the issues uh, and how we can have more progress to have the general public uh, aware of the things that are so important to us. So uh, that's kind of what these shows are right now. But the October convention is really the place you want to be, uh, it sounds like to me. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of things you can do, and that's one thing that we're going to cover at the convention, like uh, like Donna said. But, uh, you know, hey, if you want to shoot us an email at, at info at truthabouttrucking.com, we can kind of go from there and, uh, you, know, see what, you know, see what we can do to help you. And uh, check out the convention at truckingsocialmedia.com because that's exactly right up the alley. So 
uh, appreciate your call and just shoot us an email and we'll uh, we'll kind of go from there. Uh, and you know, talking about social media, Sandy, you know, you're very active in social media through blogging, writing, and so forth. What what got you into using various social media tools and and why do you do it? Well, I got started online in 2003, and I got involved in Yahoo groups. And uh, in 2005, I started my own, uh, which is dedicated to the education of new and prospective drivers. And then uh, when Facebook came along, I just got on it, and it, it just snowballed. Uh, I saw the advantages of it. Uh, one of my big things is to educate people. Um, about the issues to get them thinking outside the box instead of falling for the propaganda and the BS that's put out, you know, in a lot of the media sources involving trucking and the government agencies. And um, also to encourage people to stand up and speak out and one person to teach them that one person can make a difference. And, and that's, so I and use, that's, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. So that's what I, I use uh, Facebook primarily is where I'm at. I have uh, one straight, strictly political group that di I, I backed away from when the sleep apnea thing raised its ugly head again. And I started another group uh, called, can I say the name of it? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. It's called Truckers Against More Regulations. And... It's. Uh, I've started a companion website just recently, and I haven't got it fully built yet. Uh, it's called uh, Trucking, uh, Truckers Against More Regulation Information Clearinghouse, and I believe I sent you a bunch of links that are included there, um, research that I've done that back up my articles. And so... Yeah, uh, now that's that's one thing I really like because I'm I'm on your blog quite a bit. I'm, I I like what you do because you don't just throw it out there. You you back it up. I mean you you've got the proof to back it up. I, I have the I have your blog linked in our show description. But give us give us your blog again. What's a what's your website it's there? Just a lady driver uh, at WordPress dot com. Okay, yeah, and that's uh, it's really good information, and uh, especially newcomers to the industry can learn a lot from there. So, and you write for, um, uh, well, you write for a bunch of people. Who all do you write for? Write articles. Um, I write, I write for the Canadian Trucking Magazine in print, um, and then I write for Expediter World, Truck Stop UK, Truck Stop Canada, Truck Stop Australia. A German site, and God knows I'm not going to try and pronounce this that name. Uh, <laughs> I I contribute to Nation to Nation, LadyTruckDrivers.com, and I'm going to be starting at uh, BigTruckTV.com. Oh, and man, then, of course, I'm, my blog shows up on LinkedIn also. Well, you're just all over the place. You're international. You know, you were mentioning a minute ago about your your new site about um, regulations, and it's funny because. Um, since the start of the Obama administration, um, it has become the most expensive regulations in the regulatory pipeline. I mean, this. Uh, I, I, since, You're talking about the EOBR? Uh, yeah, I'm talking about all the regulations together. So, I mean, they add up. To, since they've started, since the Obama administration, um, $46 billion in annual regulatory costs. Ain't that right, Donna? 
I, I mean, I, I, I think so. Sounds for, good to me. <laughs> I think it's forty-six billion, and so let's get on this uh, EOBR, Sandy. Get get your view of this EOBR thing. I mean, it's uh, it's being pushed for uh, it's truck driver fatigue. That that's pushing the whole thing. And uh, you know, I know you're a lifetime member of, of OIDA, and we have to really give kudos to OIDA because they got this thing pushed out. Um, where, well, where they got st- the one for the bad guys pushed out, right? And yeah. the new fight's just beginning. Um, EOBRs, in my estimation, is the next snake oil that they're trying to sell us. You know, the cure all for everything. Oh my God! Uh, well, fuel mileage and safety and driver fatigue and going to stop detention time and oh my gosh. You know, it's just crazy, and all it is is it's, it's all about driver retention, in my estimation. Well, that, you know? that's what I was saying before, that it, it, if we could focus uh, people, the general public, because they, they buy all everything. I mean, and you can't blame them. They're reading, and they take it as, you know, they trust what they're reading as fact. And uh, if they only knew, I think, what goes on, like with shippers and the waiting and all the time uh, that drivers spend. Uh, I mean, truck driver fatigue, and I I know Alan has a whole thing ready to talk about truck driver fatigue, but uh, it's the perception of the general public that I believe keeps pushing this uh, because they only know what is fed to them. Alan, I'm not 100% sure how long you've been driving, but do you remember – back in 82 that there was a TV show on 2020 called Killer Truck Drivers? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been driving 35 years. so. Oh, yeah, it, so you know. You remember that? That yeah, was those... really the start of the systematic destruction of uh, of the truck driver's image. Between that and Smokey and the Bandit and Breaker, Breaker and, and BJ right. and the Bear, you know. <laughs> Right. Um, great movies. I love watching them, but they were they were all part of the systematic destruction of, of our image. And I think that we're riding the tail end of that tornado now. Um, I always wondered how come that they were doing that. And it's, it seems to lead up to what's happening now. It changed the public's perception of us from the white knights of, of the road to being these dirty, drug-taking, serial-killing, predators out here just waiting to run over them and kill them and their families and so they're jumping on the bandwagon and not backing us when we're we're fighting for our rights as americans um to our privacy to not being harassed at our job you know and the media deals in sensationalism and you know that's why my linkedin is so important to me where my blog shows up because there I'm dealing with people outside of the driver's seat. But, yeah, Donna, you're 100% right. People people only know what they see, and they keep seeing this detrimental so-called facts about us. And so they, they're all for us having to have mandatory sleep apnea testing and, and mandatory EOBRs and, and everything. And it's just crazy to me. It's, and, and it's sad the- in a lot of ways. And the ATA just kind of takes advantage of that because they're pushing all this. And, well, now, uh, let me, you know, you, Alan read my article. I know he did because he liked it on Facebook uh-huh. about health, safety, or a money grab. 
No, that was about sleep apnea. Well, anyways, I wrote about this recently, about EOBRs. And EOBRs, if back when speed limiters first started, and they started talking about EOBRs real strong this time. I mean, it's been around for a long time, this wanting to do this. But they really started coming to the forefront. And somebody, and I can't find it, but I remember hearing it on the radio, said, that they wanted to go to speed limiters and EOBRs because they couldn't retain drivers, that they wanted to level the playing field. And we keep hearing that about EOBRs. It's going to level the playing field. Because right now the regular companies have an 89% turnover. The training companies have over a 200% turnover yeah. on their drivers. Because, you know, these, these poor people come out there and they get screwed, uh, pardon me, messed That's around right. with. For for the first year, and they get a little experience under their belt, and they're gone in the wind. They go find somebody that's not going to micromanage them, that's going to have trucks that run the speed limit, and and they're allowed to have some pride in their work instead of being robots. Well, if they put EOBRs in everybody's trucks and speed limiters, then the ATA companies can hold their drivers because there isn't any place else for them to go. Yeah, that's funny, Donnie. And that's Donna, the whole thing behind it. We were talking about it before the show, and you were asking me, and re- what did I say? Leveling the field? Yeah, that's exactly it. it you know, that's exactly what uh, what he said. And because I was trying to figure out, you know, why are they pushing so hard? And um, and that was the answer. So uh, I guess everybody's on board with that one. But uh, the thing about it going into the Senate Transportation Bill, um, am I correct? Uh, Alan and Sandy, did that get thrown out of the transportation bill? Did they take? Did they remove it, or is it still in there? No, it's still in there. They're they're in committee on the. Oh, I get confused on this stuff. One side is it's not in their bill, but it's on the other side, and it's gone to committee. Okay, there's that's a the... conference or something on the EOBR section. Okay, all right. I, I wasn't yeah. sure. Somebody, I thought I heard somebody say that it. It got thrown out of uh, out of the bill, and then I heard it was in it. Well, isn't that I'm fully confused isn't, now? Isn't that under the legislation proposed by the uh, New Jersey uh, Democrat Senator Frank Lautenberg? Yeah, he yeah, well, he, yeah he's and he incorporated it into the transportation authorization bill recently. I think approved right. by the Senate. I think it's Senate Bill 1813, and FMCSA would be required to mandate EOBR use within one year. If it goes through. If it goes through, regardless of the cost. And right now, Donna, didn't you say they were looking at like $1,500 a unit? Um, that's that's what I've heard. Yeah, I've heard it was $1,500 a unit, which would and actually. $50 a month per unit. And that would actually put a lot of uh, a lot of owners right out of business. I mean, you know, it's, oh, you yeah. have ten trucks. There's fifteen thousand dollars. I mean, even if it's five hundred dollars, you know, some some companies are just hanging on there between the fuel uh, the fuel charges and and you know the the rates freight rate and all that. So all these little things are are adding up uh, with with the regulations and mandates. Well, what's funny about this, Sandy, is the EOBR. I mean, truck driver fatigue is a thing that's pushing it, but, you know, the uh, the NHSA, the National uh, Highway Safety Administration, according to them, driver fatigue was a factor in only 1.4% of fatal truck accidents in 2009. And from 2009 to now, uh, you know, it's even gotten safer. So, um 
1.4%, I mean, one's too many, but, I mean, some of these safety groups are, you know, they, they push this truck driver fatigue as 30 to 40% the cause of accidents, and that's just not the case. No, and you have to look at fatigue also. There are so many causes for fatigue. Did you know that one of the major, there's a couple of major causes of fatigue, but one of the major ones is dehydration. Wow. Oh, really? And, yeah, and um, for those that don't know, coffee, caffeine dehydrates the body. That's how come you have to make a pit stop after you drink a cup of coffee. So, you know, truck drivers, we don't have time to stop, you know, every two hours or whatever. So we tend to limit the amount of fluids we take in or we drink coffee, caffeine drinks. And so (laughs) right there is a great cause of fatigue. I don't see them banning caffeine. But wait, they'll probably get to it. Um, The other thing is boredom. I love Jim Johnson's letter to Ray LaHood. And I can't remember if it was about cell phones or about EOBRs or whatever, but just to paraphrase, Jim said something about to LaHood, you're not going to be happy until every driver has their hands at 10 and 2 and staring straight ahead out the window. Have you ever heard of white line fever? Yeah. I mean, you know. Right. Um, yeah, boredom. You know, what do they do? They take away our cell phones. And if they get their way, well, handheld, but, you know, if they get their way, go into uh, distracteddriving.gov and look at the list of stuff that's going to come next. Eating, drinking, smoking, putting a CD in your player. I mean, all of this stuff is uh, on their list of wanting to do away with. Um, and that will cause, I mean, that oh, will make yeah. crazy. I mean, how can you drive 11 hours uh, and 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 just drive? I mean, that's crazy. Well, and then even, our, even the hours of service. You know, back before these hours of service where we were tied to that 14-hour clock, I mean, we could get up and I... I Every driver listening knows you could sleep 10 hours and sleep good. And sometimes you get up, you coffee up, you do your deal, you get behind the wheel, and 30 minutes later, man, you're just a little sleepy. So you need to, you know, you'd like to pull over, but now you can't do it because you're on that 14-hour clock. Me thinks white, uh, white man speak out of both sides of his mouth in, in Washington, D.C. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not, this, none of this is about safety. It's all about a money grab. Well, you know, we and, and we keep reiterating this over and over. I mean, one safety group, safe or, SafeRoads.org, they're one of the largest voices uh, against this, um, you know, one of the largest for, voices for highway safety, you know, and they, they, they mention that fatigue is a contributing factor in as many as 30 to 40% of all heavy truck crashes, but the truth is, commercial trucks are involved in 2.4% of all car accidents and Eighty percent of those accidents are the fault of the non-commercial driver. Uh, other stats, only 16 percent of all truck driving accidents are due to the truck driver's fault, and of those uh, death-related accidents, only four percent of trucks are fatigue-related. So they keep they keep pushing this truck driver fatigue, but it's not uh, it's not adding up to uh, what the the 
true numbers are. Well, not only that, I was looking at your article you wrote. I don't know when you wrote it. It's it's labeled Motor Carriers Responsible for Truck Driver Fatigue. It's on Ask the Trucker. And it's it it really, I mean, everybody should read it because I I read it today and and it, it was really good. But I jotted down some of the reasons for fatigue. Um, and on the on the article it says lack of adequate truck parking, uh, dispatchers pushing drivers to drive uh, whether they say they're ill or tired, shippers and receivers holding drivers up at the docks for hours, uh, dispatch uh, waking driver uh, drivers up via uh, Qualcomm uh, to ask questions, failing to respect and abide by the HOS regulations. Retaliation tactics from carriers. If the driver states he or she is too t- uh, fatigued to drive, um, and this is a topic that Paul Taylor talked about at the convention, and he's another speaker this year. Um, I can't wait to hear his presentation this year too. But anyway, um, you know, idling laws, fatigue. Uh, you know, how how uh, how good can you sleep? You know, when you're freezing. You know, if if you don't have an APU or something like that in your truck. So. Or trying, the, or trying to sleep in 100-degree heat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so if they want to focus on fatigue, I say go for it. But here, why don't you uh, look at the real reasons drivers are fatigued? And that's why it's so important that, you know, we we get this out there. We share one another's posts. This is the whole beauty of social media, you know, and alert one another when we do write something and and then get it out there and share it all over because nobody's writing about this stuff except us, and it's frustrating. And I remember you about six months ago, Alan, wrote one of these um, um, safety groups to enlighten them, mm-hmm. and I, I never heard anything back. Did you? No, they won't reply back. I mean, it's just the... Uh... It's just taking uh it's just taking the facts and you know, you did this real well, Donna, when um uh when the FMCSA did a study but you you put the numbers together. On the sleep apnea, yes, I was talking to that's the one I was talking to you about, Sandy. Yeah, yeah. on the sleep the sleep apnea and uh one quick question about the EOBR and then let's move to sleep apnea, but I'm trying to look here. Because I uh, I took a lot of notes from Sandy's uh, website, just a lady while driver. Oh, um, you look, Alan. There's two other things that that enter in on fatigue, and one of them is malnutrition. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, because let's face it, the food that you get in a truck stop, you know, you either go to the buffet and it's been sitting out there for God knows how long, and all the nutrients are steamed out of it, or you're eating junk food. Now, if you think that you can't get malnutritioned and still be obese, in 1979 when I came in off the carnivals, it had been a tough few months for me. And I had literally been living on hot dogs, literally. Yeah, I, weighed I, 200 and, I weighed 259 pounds, and I went to my doctor because I was so tired all the time, and he did blood work up on me, and I was malnutritioned. Every mineral and everything in me was so low that he immediately put me on on shots and all sorts of things to build myself back up. I mean, I was malnutrition, but I was overweight. And you can't tell me that truck drivers out here aren't. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, you've got yeah. to eat the right foods that has the, the minerals and vitamins that the body needs. And, and you know, what are we reduced to? We're reduced to fast food. And, you know, I walked into a convenience store the other night, a little fuel stop, and was going to get me a cup of uh, coffee. And I looked around, and it's all candy bars, donuts, Twinkies, uh, right. junk chips. There is nothing after 9 o'clock at night to eat. Right. Yeah, I you know, know what you mean. <laughs> well, well, one fatigue. more thing, though, about these EOBRs. They can actually, and oh, Ida, this was the point and why it got thrown out, that they can actually work in reverse. Uh, they could, but because it could be used as a harassment tool for drivers, it, it could actually force drivers to drive when they are tired. I mean, it could, could actually, am I wrong in thinking this way? I'm not a driver, but it could actually cause more accidents. Do you both agree? Uh, yeah, because people yeah. I know of that are working electronic logs and EOBRs and have for several years are forced to maximize their hours. Oh, well, you, why are you stopping there? Well, because I can find a place to park. Well, but you got another hour and a half left on your hours. You go to the end of that hour and a half. Well, I'm tired now. No, you've got to maximize your hours. And, so Alan, we're you what people have... need to remember, though, Donna and Alan, is that there's a little-known regulation, and people don't talk about it much. And it states that if you are too fatigued or too ill to drive safely, you are under obligation as a driver to park the truck. Right, exactly. And Paul Taylor spoke about that last year to drivers. I remember that was one of one of yep. the things he he uh, spoke about on truck drivers' rights. Mm-hmm. See, and that that's doesn't mean you're not going to get fired, but you, at least you got a leg to stand on. Well, that's when you go see Paul Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and see, that's one of the keys there. I mean, they've they've got to. They're trying to mandate a regulation to fit all four million drivers, and everybody's different. I mean, yeah. at midnight, at midnight, I'm. I may not be able to go past midnight. I got to shut down. But at midnight, another driver may be just waking up and raring to go. So it's it's not a, a you know a one regulation fit all thing. They've got to no. give the uh, they've got to give more authority to the driver. I mean if I mean I've been woke up before. I mean <clears throat> shutting down. And I, I was only going to take like you know an hour an hour nap, and uh, <clears throat> the silly that's I had I had a Qualcomm and silly message goes off and dispatcher's telling me to get moving. And so, I mean, I, I, that's, that's going to be a big thing. So, Well, here, I just want to yeah. read this. EOBRs do nothing to ensure that drivers have had the required hours uh, of off-duty time. All they can verify is how long that particular vehicle was not moving, not how long the individual driver was resting. So, I mean, it really doesn't – I don't know. I mean, you guys would know better than – than me, I mean, but just reading it and logically thinking, it sounds like a horrible thing. And and if if everybody remembers the EOBRs, there are companies um, in 2010, I believe, that because of their um, noncompliance uh, and HOS violations, uh, were were had to have these uh, EOBRs on the trucks. So uh, it just seems, you know, like hey, if we have to have it, you know. 
you all have to have it, right? I mean, doesn't it sound like that to you? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to do. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's not going to work. Well, I wish the, the safety uh, advocates would, would listen and know what. Well, the problem with them is they've never been in a truck and they've never driven, so they, they have no idea on the road. Let's go to, I've uh, been holding a little bit here. Let's go to North Carolina, area code 336. Go ahead. You're on the show. Hi, Alan. How are you? This is Bill McKelvey tonight. Oh, hey, uh, I'm good. How are you doing? All right, thanks. Um, just a few things I wanted to touch on about this uh, EOBR is that uh, is that the uh, the companies are in fact using them in reverse of their actual uh, purpose. We have just seen evidence. Uh, if Kyrie doesn't mind, on her page, um, share the road discussion group on Facebook page. Uh, Davis Trucking out of Georgia and Florida was just nailed by the FMCSA. Uh, they've been running the EOBRs, if I remember correctly, and you can check the online uh, Facebook page for reference, that they've been running the EOBRs since the year of 2009. And just because this guy killed someone, he hit the lady so hard that she never got out of the car, the car engulfed in flames, he was on his cell phone, apparently, not paying attention. Now, that's a whole nother issue. But in that article, they've got drivers quoted as their dispatchers are telling them to run over hours, even if they're already over the hours. Um, they'll go back and correct them. Uh, they're running 82 to 85,000 pounds all the time. And basically, uh, what you all have hit on, driver harassment and, and threatening, um, that they'll lose their jobs or lose contracts or lose home time. Uh, this is all being done by these EOBRs, and how these senators and these safety groups cannot see this is beyond me. There's three companies right now in trouble. Uh, Richard Wilson knows this. There's, there's some other people in North Carolina who know this. Uh, they're in trouble with the feds right now. They've been audited more than once, and they've been told that they need to go on these EOBRs. Well, one company's on the EOBRs. I ran into a driver the other day coming down on 301. I don't want to say his name because I don't want to get in trouble or the company. But he said his dispatcher had already gone into his EOBR and changed it so he had three more hours to run. That was another but, thing yeah, they can, I'd heard. Yeah, I, they, can, they can do yeah. that. Dispatcher can do so, that, right, Sandy? Yeah, they can. I've been hearing about that for since uh, EOBRs first started going in, that they can go all, in and adjust them on the office side. One thing yeah. I wanted to say is that, you know, the the FMCSA is great if you go in and read the, a lot of their minutes and things. The studies that they pull out to justify what they do, a lot of times they're from foreign countries. Over in Australia, they've been on EOBRs for a while now, and they just, they just busted 16 companies over there within the last month or two for falsification on EOBRs. Yeah, well, they're just going to push the drivers that are falsifying their logs. They're just going to. Uh, this is just going to allow the uh, the motor carrier themselves to falsify the EOBR, just like just oh, Bill, yeah. just like Bill, just like you said. <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I, it's, I, happening. Right. it's happening. I think more we, than should, we should send this this whole show tape to the senators to listen to. Uh, with this in the transportation bill, that's what I think. And one thing, Donna, you know, you mentioned. Well, why, why, 
why are the motor carriers of ATA, why are they so far, so much behind this thing? Well, that's probably one of the reasons because they, they have more control. They can go in there and change the hours and push them harder and, and uh, get more freight moved. So there's there's the answer to one of your questions. Yeah, yeah, because I couldn't figure out. I, I asked Alan before, well, what are they pushing so hard for? And uh, 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 I can say it's it's a money thing, honestly. I mean, if you look at Qualcomm, like you said, the average cost is anywhere between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars. Now you're not taking into account here the fact that these companies have the downtime. Like for me, okay, I know I got a buddy at a major competitor, and he and I ran into each other the other day. It's going to cost him six hundred and seventy-five dollars for the machine. Okay, then it's going to cost him in the install. Now my install for my Qualcomm cost me two hundred and some odd dollars. So right there, you're up to eight seventy-five. Then you count in how much time it's going to take. You got to take the truck into the shop, and they got to do it if they're backed up. So let's say you're close to a thousand dollars now, at least. Okay, what is the difference? Why does he have to spend it? And what they're after him for is is misspelling of cities. Okay, you're supposed to be able to correct that and say, okay, I made a mistake. I, I spelled it wrong. I put an S at the end of the name. Oops. Uh, you know that's how I've been doing it for years. Well, now they're they're getting so crazy with him and other people like that, that they're going to say, okay, well, well now uh, we're going to make you put that machine in your truck. It's going to cost you at least 1000 if not 1500 plus your, like what Sandy said, monthly service fee, anywhere from 30 to $50 a month that's additional. I don't know about you guys, but I like to eat. We like to eat. We like to have meals. We like to be able to eat and do things. That's 30 or 50 bucks you now have to take out of your monthly budget of operating as an owner-operator that you didn't have to before because somebody is unhappy with you spelling it with an S at the end. Uh, you know, people make mistakes, and that's that's what these safety advocate groups, as far as these EOBRs, are not willing to accept. But, well, I mean, if if they ever do catch on, I'd love to have them on our side because once the, the light hits them and they go, oh, my God, you know, yeah, that's not going to happen because the one thing that's pushing these safety groups is emotion. And uh, well, because, go ahead, Sandy. Go in and follow the money trail. Did you know that one of the major contributors to patent crash is the American Trial Lawyers Association? You know, shyster, shyster, and shyster. That yeah. oh, we get millions if you're in a truck accident. We get millions for our clients. They're one of the major contributors. Yeah, and you know well, how many have, have wanted to be um, sponsors, and uh, the first thing we ask them is, "Who do you represent? The driver?" Um, yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The but, other thing, Donna, you mentioned how how do you you know like Elida said, how do you know what the tr- what the driver's doing? Well, there's a solution to that. It's confirmed. I got it confirmed of one company for sure that's now using driver cams. These are cams mounted on the dash, pointed at the driver while he's in the driver's seat. And I've got rumors of other major companies going to these. Yeah, I've heard about that, too. So Yeah, I, I, that's crazy. Yeah. I'll say about that. Well, listen, Bill, anything else? Anything else you wanted to share? No, I just wanted to share, you know, the, the uh, total disillusion uh that these companies the ata and everyone else uh 
You know, and I, I don't really think, Alan, that it's wrong that we bring out the companies because Schneider came to the FMCSA. They they spoke, you know, what they said. You can go back and listen to the actual broadcast online at the FMCSA site, and you can hear the things that Schneider said. You can hear the things that Warner said. And then you can hear Todd Spencer and the evidence that he brought up that these companies are are manipulating the data to make these guys work. And and as far as I'm concerned now, when I when a guy pulls in next to me that says driver uses computer logs or people net or whatever, or if I'm on the road with them, buddy, I got to tell you, that scares living daylights out of me because I don't know if that guy is actually being more dishonest or more honest due to his dispatcher or his company or, or anything else. And until, you know, we start to push and get more of these companies out here um, off the well, road I, and, 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 and into the actual investigation part, um, it's going to continue to happen. And I don't want to keep going because I know you guys got it and we've got to go. But, but I don't I won't. This bill, when you said you know naming names, that reminded me. A bell just went off. You would have loved it last year, uh, Paul Taylor. What a what a presentation he gave, and he that was one of the things he said. I know people don't want to name names. I'll name names, and he just went to town. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that just reminded me. I, I hope you're. I think that you were attending this year. I know you're going to get so much out of it, and you're going to be able to. Uh, to give so much to it, so we look forward to meeting you there. One, I know Sandy. One other thing about EOBRs, and it goes back to my soapbox issue. With EOBRs, they don't have to train these drivers so well because if the driver gets in a jackpot, theoretically, he can type into his dispatcher and 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 get advice or whatever. And you know, it's just the whole solution to all the problems is training. Well, I was just say, I mean, you know, it, what does it all come back to? And, uh, I, I mean, it's it's all enmeshed together. It's like this big web. And, yeah. and everything, everything comes back to the center of the web, okay? And then all these other issues uh, just are branches off of one another and training. And until yeah, well, I, I did connect- an article this last weekend called Throwing Parts at It. And yeah. Yeah, I read instead that. of addressing instead of addressing the disease, they're going after the symptoms. Right. And to me, the disease in the trucking industry, outside of the company greed and all that, but that's always been there, is lack of training. And, you know, a properly trained driver knows how to manage their time. They know when they're tired. They know when they need to lay down. The properly trained driver does that. They're not brainwashed by the company to do what the the company says against their body. And yeah, so if but, the drivers are properly trained, they're more apt to be safer out here. But the companies don't want to do that. And the FMCSA says, oh, well, we don't have any statistics that the, the new entry-level drivers are they don't more have dangerous any than the other ones. They have none. I don't, I don't think that's ever – right now the problem, if I can interrupt and excuse me, if I, I don't want to stop y'all's train of thought or conversation – but I honestly think the problem right now is the economy. There are so many people right now that are so desperate for money. They're yep. so desperate for jobs. They're so yep. desperate. Everybody's just so desperate. So when a dispatcher says, Joe, I redid your hours, you need now to run. If you don't, 
then here comes all the retaliation you're going to get. And then Joe, and this is why you have such huge turnover. These companies, you know, Sandy says she's been a long time. I've been a long time. Alan's been a long time. These companies have never, ever wanted to train their drivers. Uh, McElroy lost the account down at Alcoa years ago because they put a guy in a truck after having three weeks of training hauling stand-up heavy coils from Alcoa coming out of Knoxville, Tennessee. They turned them over left and right going to South Carolina. It, it was like an almost every every week event, if not every other day. Well, well, Rich Wilson and and uh, most people listening, you know, know Rich. I mean, he's a he's a huge advocate drivers. He's going to have a presentation this year, and uh, it's called CDL Training in the Truck Driver Shortage. And uh, I'm sure he's going to uh, connect all the dots. Uh, I mean, as best as he can with the limited time uh, that he has, but. Um, this is this is a presentation that everybody needs to uh needs to listen to. Well did yeah, you catch I, the uh the new the new thing that came across the web today that Canada had a judge rule against the speed limiters? Uh, oh I, yeah. So it took my response is basically so it took a judge in a court to tell all these so called safety advocates that these speed limiters are dangerous. Um, yeah, we have a show on it. Did you listen to that one? I think Rich was on it um, yeah, about all the all the dangers of speed limiters. Yeah, was, no, you I could get it in the archives if you want to listen to it. But yeah, we we it, I'm so glad to hear that. Alan, did you hear that? Sandy, did you hear that? No, I hadn't. What the, I hadn't heard it yet. No, I can't. Okay. It's on, on weekends, but I'm home. It's on one of the Facebook group, uh, trucking group pages. I don't I don't remember which one it was, but it was on there today. Uh, yeah, it was, on o- it was on Oida's page, I think. Someone oh, okay. On Oida's page. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay. I'll look for it. I always go in well, and I'm... read Oida on the weekends anyway, so. Well, I'll let <laughs> somebody cool. else have it, so I will talk to you Thanks, all later. Bill. Thank you for allowing me on. Thank you. Have a good well, night. If you want to nice share it on our page, uh, Bill, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Bill. And uh, yeah, I didn't know, I didn't hadn't heard about Davis Transfer either. I see their trucks out here in Florida all the time, and and you know, Donna, it's funny when you said you know talking about naming names. When when I first started Truth About Trucking and all of this, uh, I was getting emails from motor carriers, um, kind of smart aleck, uh, threatening little emails, and uh, I wrote them back and I said, you know, be careful what you say to me, or I'll start naming names, and I never heard from them again. So <laughs> I almost got sued. Uh, I wrote for Layover.com for five years. And I did an article about a, a student that had gotten really royally rooked by a third-party recruiter and a, train, a trekking school and a training company. I mean, just royally rooked. And but I didn't name names. I I but I put in one too many identifiers. I said a company out of Arkansas, and yeah. layover almost got sued, and so did I. It came mm-hmm. real close, and. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah, you got Well, when the stuff is in the news, I mean, that's pretty you can pretty much uh Yeah, you know, it's like in the news, yeah. When CRS yeah. had that recent comeback with the uh harassment thing, I mean, you can put their name cuz it's in the news, but you know, if you take the the word of just somebody cuz we get letters all the time this company did this and this this driving school did yeah. that. 
Well, unless you have proof, I mean, they could just be somebody trying to hurt another driving school. You, you know, I, that's why you have to be just so careful. But um, no, I totally, I, I, I totally get. I'm glad, I'm glad. I'm glad nothing ever came of that, though. Yeah, most people, most people that's been in the industry long enough know the names anyway. So, um, well, listen, yeah. Sandy. Last thing on EOBRs. You, uh, you wrote that the uh, EOBRs are being pushed to remove the human factor from the hours of service equation. Uh, expand on that a little bit. What do you mean? Well, I, uh, I heard, I heard some people talking on Nemo one day, and. Uh, here a couple years ago, and and it was two people from major companies, we'll put it like that, and they were saying that EOBRs would remove the human factor. And, you know, and I was thinking human factor, hmm. Well, they think that because a driver has to put in when he stops and when he starts, and that can be backed up by the computer or the satellite, that that removes the human factor. But, I've talked to many drivers who have the electronic logs, and they've already figured out ways around them. Oh, yeah. You know, if it's not the company's, uh, the driver, I mean, if he's 15 minutes from home, he's got to figure out a way to get home, you right. know, 15 minutes. And you can't blame them. 15 minutes, my goodness, you know. And right. So it's just, it it's the only way they're going to remove the human factors when they figure out how to run these trucks by remote control, which they're testing, by the way. I heard them talking oh um, my God. on the radio. Yeah, well, they did a study down in, in San Diego here about eight or ten years ago, and they actually had a remote-controlled truck that they were testing down there. But um, you've heard them talking about they want to put the sensors on the roads. That's all part of that. So, you know, eventually I think they'd like to do away with the truck driver completely. Now they may have to have a service tech in there to in the truck to just kind of read his book and in case something goes wrong. But, you know, I it's, it's just crazy. I think they want to do away with this. Well, that sounds like something. Well, that's scary. That sounds like something out of the Jetsons. I'll be surprised. Uh, <laughs> well, that, 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 sounds, that really sounds have, like safety. Yeah, I'll have to do some research. Well, you can, have you ever been in one of the big uh, automotive plants and seen those little remote-controlled trains that pull racks and things around? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's the same concept. But they were yeah, talking but... about that on one of the tech shows, uh, on one of the trucking shows the other day, that that was uh, the thing, the wave of the future. Well, I tell you, I mean, you're talking about the entire U.S., interstate system so that might be in the year 4012 i mean i'd be surprised <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we won't see it obviously but <laughs> we'll see you know. well listen let's move on to uh the, this whole sleep apnea thing uh um, oh yeah you know we see uh i hear from drivers all the time who have lost their jobs from this uh sleep apnea the BMI is the is the big thing. Jeez, and that's crazy. Yeah, and what's funny about a lot of this uh, sleep apnea stuff is that there's no mandates, no regulations on it. It's the motor carriers that are just uh, operating out of fear or something and, uh, you know, booting drivers uh, with no regulation to stand on. What's your thoughts on all this sleep apnea stuff? I think it's the most discriminatory regulation that's ever been proposed. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's funny it's just, because... And it's a money grab. Go in and, I mean, just for giggles and grins, those of you readers or, or listeners, go in and Google FMCSA Medical Review Board and go in and read the minutes of those meetings. They are so industry, medical device manufacturers, sleep study clinic labs, their clinics, uh you know, they are so weighted and biased, and the FMCSA just grabs a hold of it. There is absolutely, positively no study anywhere that says that sleep apnea has caused the first wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and then they go on this BMI thing, when 16 point, I think it's 4 or 8, According to the statistics I could find in my research, um, of people diagnosed with sleep apnea are of normal body weight. And there's many more uh, causes of sleep apnea than just overweight. There's structural problems uh, in your throat and in your palate and uh, other respiratory illnesses uh, that can cause sleep apnea. But yet they're focusing on BMI because that's an obvious indicator. But there's a whole movement in this country against obesity, obese people. But people have been growing over the last thousand years. They've been getting taller and bigger. And it's due to better nutrition, um, better living conditions, the whole nine yards. But the, the diet industry is a lot behind this. Uh, the pharmaceutical companies, I've found references uh, that they have diet drugs that they're wanting to get approved by the FDA. They can't do that quickly um, due to the processes unless the, the disease control people uh, say that obesity is an epidemic. Then those drugs go on the fast track. This is so interlinked with money that it's just unconscionable. In my well, estimation, well, I think I think there is a, a a huge obesity problem in this country, and it, it does stem back uh, to something that you said earlier, that the nutrition in the foods that people are eating is is just not there. So they could be eating four thousand calories, and maybe five hundred of it is worth anything. Any kind well, of well, that's a whole nother show. If you want, I mean, really, because when it's you endless. think about it, everything that we eat that's commercially grown, is on growth hormones. Those hormones are not destroyed in the cooking process. So we're ingesting growth hormones every time we eat a steak, um, chicken, eggs, drink milk, whatever. There's growth hormones in it. Unless you spend money and go, you know, to get all the, the thing. Like I just stopped eating any kind of form of wheat, wheat and corn. Boom, gone, out of my diet uh, right. because of the research I did on it. And um, But getting back to the BMI uh, and most a lot of our um, what we're going to speak about in October is going to be about truck driver health. And the, the point we want to make is, yeah, you need to get healthier. You do. You need to walk, exercise, and eat better. However, it still shouldn't be... Uh, part of a mandate uh, for sleep apnea. Um, well, I'm just to put it bluntly, 
and, and you'll have to excuse me for this, but the government needs to get out of my bed and my body and my kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, they just they just need to get out of my life. You know, let's look at exercise as a truck driver. All right? We sit in the seat for 11 hours or more, you know, because there's three hours in there to play with. So let's say we sit in the seat literally for 14 hours a day. So at 9 o'clock at night when I shut down, and it's dark out, I'm going to get out and walk around that truck stop. Sure I am. Right, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, yeah, I know, but some of them are, are doing it, um, a lot of them now, uh, just because of risks of the health of the lifestyle of a truck driver. And, uh, I mean, I feel really bad for people who can't get out and walk around and and get the exercise that they need um, just to be healthy. But they can um, eat better. And Well, there's things that people can do. You know, there's many people that have have developed exercises that you can do in the cab of the truck. I myself, and of course I'm fluffy. I'll be the first one to admit it. Unfortunately, most of mine's the results of, I've always been large, but I was in a major wreck in 2000. My ex-husband laid the truck over and hurt me real bad, so I don't move like I used to. But I still, I do push-ups against the steps of my truck when I'm fueling and leg stretches and, and uh you know, I'll, I'll walk around the truck and, you know, I still do what I have to do. But, uh, I, but I mean, I think that the drivers, there's things that drivers can do, uh, but we are limited. And, you know, part of that is that within the inflexibility of the hours of service. You know, it used to be, and Alan can attest to this, that, you know, it used to be that we could stop by a rest area in the middle of the day in broad daylight and many rest areas have wonderful areas to park or to walk in. And you could make a couple laps, walk the dog if you had a dog. You had time to do that where it was safe. And you don't have time anymore to do it when it's safe. And then, well, of course, you know, the food choices that people have anymore. It's just you don't have time to sit down and relax and eat. Um, it's hard. It's very, very hard. It can be well, done, but it's very, very hard. Don't you think? I mean, that's where the 14-hour rule came in. I mean, that was one of the worst worst rules that come into play within the industry. I mean, you know, I hear from drivers all the time. They don't even, and I know too. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm working 12, 13, 14-hour day shifts, and I don't even have time to stop and take a breath. You know, and so that 14-hour rule was was pretty detrimental to the industry. Don't you think? Yeah, I don't. I I was just. It was a bad thing as far as I was concerned. Putting any limitation, a cookie-cutter regulation like that on this industry, because, you know, it's like they think that we we should only drive from such and such time to such and such time, but yet they're griping about congestion during rush hour. Well, they don't want the trucks in rush hour. Well, okay, but we we don't have a choice, you know, because we have to stop when we have to stop and we have to shut down for 10 hours, well, I'm sorry, that puts us going into our shippers and receivers during rush hour. Yeah, the 14-hour rule, the hard 14-hour rule, they should have left it flexible, in my estimation. Yeah, take 10 hours off, but get it how you can, you know, or how you need to. I, I I think it was the worst thing that's been done 
in a long time, if ever, to the industry. Let's jump. Uh, let's jump over to Massachusetts. Area code six one seven. You're on the show. Go ahead. Oh yes, sir. Um, my name is Jeff Long from Chelsea, Massachusetts. I happen to have a, a CDL Class B license, and, and my heart goes out to anybody that drives trucks, especially non-union, uh, especially long-haul drivers Class A, because that's some tough stuff. And, and when you guys start talking about eating and stuff like that, I knew I had to call into the show because, because um, even though you, you're, uh, the, the lady at the program, Sandy's been doing truck driving since 1972, and I was born in 1970, so God bless you. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know um, when it comes to truck driving and so forth, here's my personal opinion on the industry. If you're not union, the, uh, the, the companies will grind you into the ground. They will say, get that stuff from point A to point B, do whatever it takes, because if you don't, we'll put it illegal in there. Uh, and 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 so forth. I mean, we're talking, we're talking real dirty stuff here, and um, and so forth. And I am not in favor of government regulations, but but you know what? Um, I mean, and 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 I don't know too much about the industry as you guys do, but 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 on the surface, it seems like putting a limitation on truck drivers to to drive only so many hours. I mean, you know, you don't want the driver to sleep behind the wheel. So I'm. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate because I do hate government regulations because it always has a way of hindering people. But in my opinion, uh, it, uh, the, this is the reason why I'm not driving is because the, in the in the non-union world, it's horrible, it's tough, and 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 so forth. And 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 you know, and you have to have a political connection in order to be unionized. So, so yeah, there's. The, Yes, there's, there's been there, there, there's been a lot of talk about you know union and and there are unions you know in the in the industry but if you're talking about a union for the entire overall four five six million drivers Sandy there's been a there's been talk about that for years but uh, uh, in my opinion ain't going to happen. No, because uh, you know. Actually, the big companies only make up a very small percentage of all the trucks out here. Even though, you know, we've got like Swift that has, what, 6,000 trucks. Um, Those big, huge companies are are small, a small percentage of the industry overall. Most of the the companies are small like mine, you know, 100 trucks or less, or they're independent owner-operators. One thing about the hours of service... um, Hours of service were put into place to actually protect the driver, and originally, because yeah. companies way back when, and union companies still do it. I hate to tell you, but they still do it. Some of them, uh, they'll work a driver on the dock, mm-hmm. and then yeah. then expect them to go out and drive ten hours, or do it vice versa. You drive ten hours or eleven hours, and then because according to the hours of service. You can drive 11 hours, and then you can work 24. That's it. But you have to have 10 hours off afterwards. So the hours of service were originally put into place to protect the driver from being abused by the company. Exactly. You're you're absolutely right. You're you're absolutely right. And and that's my main point. And before I get off the air, because I work in Boston, it's a a very heavily regulated industry. And the place where I'm working at in security – and uh-huh. and so forth. I I feel I'm making more money sitting in a guard shack than that, that I would if I was driving a Class B truck. And 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 I'm looking at this construction project going on, 
in the place where I work at, and I'm telling you something, it is all union. You have to be union carpenter, union plumber, and I don't care for unions too much myself. I like you guys because you guys are independent. You guys are America. But but, but, but I'm there. Even the security company I work for is SEIU, and believe you me, I mean, I mean, the, the the next time they have a vote to get that sucker out of there, I'm voting to get that sucker out of there. But um, but anyhow, there, I mean, everything is unionized in Boston, and and they and they are in the pocket of the Democrat Party, and and um, and basically, you have to be union drivers, anything to work in a big city, and if you're outside the city, you you're you're scratch, you're like a chicken scratching for. For, for your for your for your crumbs on the ground basically and God bless chickens but uh, you know it's 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 and that's part of the communism the communism squishes good hardworking small businesses like yours and that's what we're dealing with communism okay I thank you for having me on the broadcast and have a good night thank you all right thanks for calling thanks for listening. Up there in Boston, and uh, yeah, Sandy, you know, you mentioned something that that's really a good point. I mean, there's several hundred thousand motor carriers, trucking companies in the U.S. Uh, I I can't think of the figure right offhand, but like 75 or 80 percent of them, uh, you know, are small companies operating uh, between one and a hundred trucks. So I mean, that's that's the excellent point there for the union. You know, why it won't ever happen. Right. One thing about sleep apnea, Alan. Back to that. Um, I was doing uh, some research for an article, and uh, I ran across an interesting fact, and I, I think I sent you the link to the to the webinar that this came out in. Uh, Medicare, their fraud division, got to looking at sleep studies and sleep apnea testing, and over a 10-year period, or a little less than 10 years, there was a $200 million increase under Jeez. Medicare, of sleep studies and CPAP machine purchases. Instead, they, they did some research, and they found out that instead of doing the pre-testing for sleep apnea, which includes also an overnight stay, but they use a pulse oximeter. You know that thing when you go to the doctor and they put it on your finger and it registers your oxygen saturation levels? Uh-huh. That's a pre-test for sleep apnea. They can do that in a sleep clinic very cheaply and or in a, in a hospital while you're in the hospital, and they can determine whether you're at risk of sleep apnea because of the oxygen, level. the oxygen levels. Then mm-hmm. they found that instead of trying cheaper alternatives to CPAP machines, such as teaching someone to sleep on their side or elevating their bed six inches at the head, raising the head of the bed six inches, mm-hmm. that they were automatically going and prescribing CPAP machines. Yeah. So, I mean, $200 million increase just in Medicare in less than a 10-year period. Yeah. Well, well, I, I, I just want to cash figures. Find the money trails. Always look for the money trails. Yeah, that's that's what that's what you always say. Just follow follow the money. Well, and just, let me, one other thing. Just I'm sorry, Donna. One other no, thing. I forget. One other thing. Companies are now lease purchasing, so to speak, if they haven't already put in sleep clinics in their own terminals. 
and they charge the drivers. They'll 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 pay for it. They'll pay for the sleep studies. They'll even pay for the CPAP machines, and it's on a lease purchase program. And if you're not completed that program and can't pay cash if you leave that company, your CPAP machine stays with the company. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I'm not surprised at that. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just all uh, all money. But getting back to um, the the trucking social media and the sleep apnea, um, Todd Dills and Richard Wilson was at that uh, that meeting, that Mixac meeting in February, uh-huh. and it was. I don't know if you, that Sandy, or or if if you're aware of what happened. Uh, Todd Dills is with um, Truckers News and Overdrive, and Rich Wilson was there, um, you know, with his company, uh, Trans Products, uh, for the meeting, and they were actually tweeting back what was going on and when it came back about the BMI when that was brought up uh, to recommend a BMI of 35 it went nuts and I just thought wow is this great people who can't make the meeting okay because never before did people know what was going on at these meetings okay and on Facebook on Twitter uh, immediately they knew that was going on. So the one good thing we have on our side, I believe, is that the information is instant of what's going on. And we actually had Todd and Rich on the show right after that uh, to talk about the meeting and what was going on and uh, all like that. And that same meeting, I believe they spoke with about the EOBRs, and then Rich was uh, talking about everything that was coming up then. So, I mean... That's why we get so excited um, about social media because the, the potential to to have you know your goals reached of what you're trying to achieve, whether it be reaching reaching the general public, um, reaching the safety advocacy groups, just just having all this uh, you know come to pass is is huge, and we've just touched the surface. So, um, anyway, one of the the things that um, I so enjoy about my activity on Facebook, outside of meeting people from all over the world, I have uh, near, it doesn't sound like a lot, I'm sure, to to somebody as active as you all, but, I mean, I've got 2,900 contacts on my Facebook page or right at, and there are Primarily, I'd say 95% of them are, are truck drivers from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Australia, and, <laughs> Canada, and they and they read. You know, most of them can read English. Um, a lot of them can, <laughs> because it's not just here that these things are happening. They're happening all over the world, so we can share information and we can encourage each other to stand up for our rights and to write letters and to contact our representatives. And without Facebook, you know, Elida's been preaching this for years, you know, contact your representatives. But now they have Facebook pages and they have Twitter Twitter accounts and they have email addresses. And so it's easy now for people to get involved 
and that's the way we're going to make these changes is to band together through social media and and networking and encourage each other to with documentation with research sharing research to be able to write effectively and use yes. this, these facts to contact our representatives to try and make these changes. We've never had this kind of power before, and we do now. And, you know, granted, there's going to be people that just like the drama. You know, they like to raise heck. They, they cuss. They raise sand. But there's effective people that are coming out. I, I wrote a letter to my, my representatives, and I put it up on uh, Truckers Against More Regulation, and another, I, I said, feel free to use this and reformat it, you know, with the names and gender, because I use sir and madam in my, my letters, uh, you know, to my representatives. I said, change that, and, you know, feel free to send these to yours. And I had another guy uh, that did so. And, like, two days later, he's posting, oh, my gosh, I got a response. Yeah. You know, what a thrill. I you know what? All my responses that we send, I have them on our fridge under one of those little tacky magnets clips, you know. Uh-huh. And I just keep every now and then, you know, I, I read them and I'll say, all right, it's time to write this one back. So uh, it is exciting, though, when you do get a response uh, back. Oh, yeah, it sure is, yeah. So Except one time I sent, about BMI, as a matter of fact, when this came up before, I wrote uh, my my senator Claire McCaskill uh, an email and told her, you know, how discriminatory I felt BMI was, yeah, 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 and included some research and things. And I got back a, a form letter, and I, I could just see her aides sitting there scratching their head and saying, "What is this woman writing about BMI?" And it said, "I support gay and lesbian marriage." And, and that I was thought, the now, what turn does letter that have anything? Yeah, I got a form letter all about that. It wasn't even a. It, I have oh no idea God. what their aide was thinking, and I, I about fell out of my computer chair laughing when I read it because I could just see what happened. Oh, BMI, that must be something to do with uh, gay and lesbian people, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> Well, that's a good way to end. The time's winding down here. But, Sandy, look, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks oh, again. I've enjoyed it. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've gotten to know you and Donna, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, well, we look forward to meeting you. I saw you up at the uh, sign-up forum for the convention, and we'll look forward to meeting you in uh, in October. Oh, it's in it's in my backyard. You bet I'm coming. <laughs> oh, good. Look forward to meeting you, and uh, and we'll see you then. And keep uh, keep keep safe out there. You too, brother. Thank all right. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, she sounds like us. She's just right up our alley, isn't she? Yeah, she's up on all the uh, regulations, and uh, you know, just a powerhouse of how would you put it? Do something. I mean, it's great when people even talk. Uh, and you hear that they're aware of uh, everything going on, uh, but you have to take the next step. And even if it's a phone call, uh, you know, not everybody feels comfortable writing a letter. And I understand that, you know, that's okay. Uh, but, you know, to phone call on an issue and this is so-and-so, boy, I'll tell you, if an office got, you know, 100 phone calls a day on an issue, don't you think they're going to think twice? 
about it? Yeah, it's like you say, you know, there's power in numbers, and, you know, and Sandy gets that. She gets the uh, whole social media thing, and uh, and the funny thing is a lot of people don't realize that there already have been changes made. I mean, you know, this, this social media thing with drivers and everything um, has changed, you know, helped to uh, – I mean, it had stuff to do with the – the CSA, they made the uh, FMCSA look harder at the HOS rule. And, I mean, so there are things. So it's like you say, Donna, there's always powers and numbers. But, you know, man, she's she's been out there 40 years. That's a smart lady. Well, and also, you know, you, you have to have a desire uh, to change things or a desire to see things changed. And, you know, I think these um, conventions spark people. Uh, to you know, especially after you hear such passionate you know speakers, uh, then you just become motivated. So it's kind of like you know when they used to have those, uh, and they may still do those Mary Kay conventions. You know, yeah. they get everybody together and they talk about things, and they walk out and they're like, okay, you know, let me do this and that. It, it, you kind of need this, um, and I believe that there will be uh, offshoots of of what we do. Uh, different groups, you know, might start a convention here and there, and then, you know, everybody kind of go to each other's uh, meetings and, and talk about this stuff, because truthfully, I believe, really, we've just hit the surface of all this. I, I, I really do, and I, it's really exciting. You know how I get, you know, when I start talking about it, so I'll try to shut up. <laughs> well, it's, 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 I look at it as almost like a re, rejuvenating process. There's so much negativism in this industry, and drivers go through so many hassles and problems and stress and worries, and, and you know, and when everybody comes together, when there's a whole group of people coming together, like at this convention, who are all on the same page and want to, you know, create betterment for drivers and the industry as well it's almost a rejuvenating process where they all leave and you know maybe they're feeling better about themselves feeling better about the industry get more involved and we saw that last year and this year shaping up to be bigger it looks like oh yeah and we've got you know we're we're kind of maybe it's it is a little premature but um we are cooking up something really huge uh for the convention i hope i can uh announce it on our next show or the next one um, which is going to be really, really great. So uh, anyway, I'm not going to say another word about that. But yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, I, boy. I hope so. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I know it's hard not to say anything, but uh, it's going to be fun. It'll be cool. So it's real cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we'll take. Got to take a quick break and get our paying sponsors in here that keeps our show going. And, uh, you know, visit our sponsors on Truth About Trucking Live. Uh, they keep the show going, and they're just a bunch of great people. And and uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, Donna will catch every everyone up with her announcements and things you need to know about. So just a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Alan 
John Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live and AssetTrucker.com with an important message for owner-operators and fleet owners. Hot John Incorporated is a company that makes the Dynasys APU, and if you're considering an auxiliary power unit for your truck but thought you just couldn't afford it, you need to talk to the Dynasys guys about their all-new financing program. The Dynasys APU saves fuel and provides AC, heating, plug-in power, all of those comfort necessities you deserve when you have to shut down for your mandatory break. It's definitely the smart way to be comfortable and save money. Their finance program is designed to make your monthly payment nearly half of what you're spending on fuel with their goal of making APUs available for every hardworking driver. They realize that times are tough and that credit is hard to come by, so they offer four credit plans giving all owner-operators and fleet owners a guaranteed financing opportunity. They can even get you hooked up with grants that can cover APU costs as well. Give them a call at 1-800-289-8282. It's toll-free, 1-800-289-8282, or just Google search Dynasys APU. Visit them online at hotjohn.com. That's H-O-D-Y-O-N.com. The Dynasys APU, the best solution to engine idling. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Okay, we're back. Uh, all right, well, it's time for Donna's announcements. So what do you have for us, Donna? Well, I might, might as well just start off with the convention since we, we just got done talking about it. And um, Well, you're all hyped up about that. Oh, I know, I know. You can probably hear it. Uh, anyway, since our last update, um, just to basically go over the theme, you know, it's to unite those active within the industry, uh, uh, CDL drivers, professionals, organizations, and to all come together and discuss the issues. Um, they have a we have an open forum. You can address questions, answers, and they're really the issues that you know we're most concerned about. Um, let's see. We're pr- oh we're proud to announce that we do have two new speakers. Uh, Elaine Papp, the Medical Program Division Chief of the FMCSA, um, she's going to be uh, addressing uh, sleep apnea, which we just spoke about, and also the obesity issue with truck drivers, uh, which we talked about tonight also, uh, the National uh, Registry for Medical Examiners, um, she's going to be hitting on that. And uh, she'll be discussing the new uh, proposals, regulations, uh, everything in regard to health, because she she won't be touching EOBRs or anything like that. But we do have Rich Wilson there, who is a compliance expert, who he's going to be uh, talking about those types of things. But his main thing is going to be CDL training and the truck driver shortage, but he will be there to address uh, the other issues. Um, we have another speaker. Oh, and I want to give a special thank you uh, to Rick Ash of the Trucking Solutions Group. Uh, Rick was extremely instrumental in contacting Elaine Papp and having her present at 
convention. So a huge thank you to Rick Ash and the Trucking Solutions Group. Um, another speaker we're just thrilled to announce is Chris Voss of The Chris Voss Show. And Chris is a recognized social media leader by Forbes, CNN, The Huffington Post, I mean, just a, a whole list. Um, and he is the CEO of Strategics, and it is a consulting firm. And he's also going to give a lot of golden nuggets for everyone uh, at this uh, conference uh, on social media. So we're thrilled to have him uh, with us. Um, the theme this year is the circle of trust. It's all about honesty, transparency, integrity. So uh, we're really attracting people within the industry that believe in those qualities that you have to have uh, for a successful industry. I do want to mention our uh, sponsors. Like you said, without them, you know, uh, we wouldn't be able to to have this. So quickly, I'll just. Uh, the announcement. It's uh, Pi Pilot, Flying J, and Challenge Magazine is our platinum sponsor. Our gold sponsors are Hajon uh, with the Dynasys APU and Navistar International, the international trucks. Uh, silver sponsors, Tripsheet Central, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, the Zata Corporation, Cobra Electronics, AirDoc. Uh, bronze sponsors, Transport Watch, Truck Drivers, Money Saving Tips, Trucker to Trucker.com, OIDA, Idle Air, uh, Allen and Airs Productions, Real Women in Trucking, KC Trucker, Trans Products and Services. And for our supporting sponsors, we have the uh, Waller Trucking Company and uh, a Trucker's Wife blog. That's uh, Kathy Cass has that on Facebook. Oh, cool. We got Waller Trucking in there? Yeah, we sure do. Oh, I got a trucking company. All right. Thumbs up. First, first one. Uh, now, we'll just quickly, uh, our speakers, uh, like I mentioned, Elaine Papp from the Medical Programs Division Chief uh, the medical, of the FMCSA. Social media is Chris Voss, CDL Training, and the truck driver shortage is Rich Wilson. Uh, trucking Employment Law is Paul Taylor. Truck Driver Health, Rick Ash. Of the Trucking Solutions Group. Human, human Trafficking Awareness is uh, Kyla Lieberg of Truckers Against Trafficking. And the MC again this year is Toby Bogard. Our guest attendees are James McCormick of Trucking Careers of America, Hope Rivenberg of Jason's Law, James Napier of the founder of the Sunshine Survivors Group, and Carrie Fisher, founder of Missing Truck Driver Alert. Um, there's uh, over $5,000 in prizes and awards. Uh, Cobra Electronics has uh, given – they're a silver sponsor this year. They were a bronze last year, and they're giving a huge amount of, uh, of donation uh, to drivers, and these prizes go to the drivers. So uh, pretty much everybody who comes and you're a driver, you're going to get something from Cobra. Um, the, Do I get some? <laughs> yeah, you'd have to ask. Call Chris up. Tell him you want something. <laughs> Um, we have the Jason Rivenberg Making a Difference Award. We are um, done with the uh, nominations, so we're going to start having the voting. Uh, the, uh, the, the people who had the top nomination, we had a lot of people nominated for this, um, but the ones who got the most nominations are going to be voted on. We're going to put the link up, and then you can just start your voting. Um, our our uh, guest tonight, Sandy Long, she has she'll be a candidate for the award. Kathy Cass, 
of Trucker's Wife blog, Desiree Wood of Real Woman in Trucking, uh, Carrie Fisher of the Missing Truck Driver Alert, and Kyla Lieberg of Truckers Against Trafficking. So that's going to be a tight race. Um, now, what's that for? This is the Jason Rivenberg Making a Difference. Oh, okay. I think last year we called it the Making a Difference. No, I was just thinking I was doing something, and I was thinking, now, Kyla Lieberg won something last year now. Got the recognition. Yeah, I remember now. So that's okay, though. Hope Rivenberg um, won the award last year, mm-hmm. and she's going to be passing the torch on. She's going to be at the convention, and she's going to be handing the award uh, to the new winner. So we're thrilled to see, always thrilled to see Hope again. So um, she's confirmed that she's going to be there. Uh, the winner does receive a plaque and a $500 gift pot prize presented by the supporting sponsor. So uh, if you haven't had, if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, guys, I really do, uh, you know, tell you, you need to get it is limited seating. Just go to truckingsocialmedia.com, click the register button on the menu on top, and get your ticket. Um, let me see. What do we have included in the convention? I mean, it has your speaker presentations, two open panel question and answer sessions, one for social media and one for trucking issues. You have all your buffets, your break refreshments, even a welcome reception on that Friday evening uh, that's the 26th, and and that's going to be at the uh, Voodoo Lounge over at Harris. I hear it's awesome. I'm going to be out there in July, uh, and look at it. And then you've got your you know your your prizes um, over five thousand dollars worth from Cobra. And and for a hundred dollars, they get their picture taken with me. And, well, <laughs> <laughs> that may only be worth about ten cents. So, go ahead. But anyway. Uh, Okay, you made me lose my train of thought here. So anyway, hit that register button. And oh, another thing, uh, they have a block of rooms at Harris that they're giving at a reduced rate. And uh, from what I understand, it's significantly reduced, if I said that right. But you need to use the code when you call them, and it's S10TRUC. So that's S10 Truck without the K. And the number to call is 314. 314- Seven seven zero eight three eight three. It's all on the website on the register menu. Um, you can look at the rooms and the menus and the whole nine yards. You know, just go to truckingsocialmedia.com. Um, I want to give a, uh, and that's that's it for the uh, <clears throat> for the convention. You can always email us at info at trucking social media if you have any questions or any problems with the website or anything, or you know you can just call us. Uh, our numbers up there. Uh, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. I, I couldn't wait to announce this one. They gave another check to Truckers Against Trafficking. Oh, they did. Uh, Two thousand one hundred and fifty-one dollars. Uh, was donated to Truckers Against Trafficking. Uh, this is the second of two donations that they've made. Their first one was 1319 And all they have people do, they, what they do is they have a drive. You go, you like their page, and for every like during a specific amount of time, they put a dollar. And so they received 2,151 likes. I think it was within a three-week period. On their Facebook. Their Facebook page, yes. And they have the check uh, up on their page. 
to show, and uh, we're just so, so thrilled. I mean, they're they're just great people, and to give to such an organization as Truckers Against Trafficking, um, it's the uh, the atrocities that are that take place uh, with human trafficking and forced prostitution. So. Um, Boy, all these names you're throwing out who's attending the convention and speaking and sponsoring, uh, I'm just sitting here thinking that I mean, these are some of the best names in the industry. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we the people that are just coming to this, um, you know, even the attendees who are signing up because, you know, I get it right to my email when somebody signs up and I look and I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, it's just such a fine group of people attending uh, that it's just thrilling and and I I really can't wait. I mean, I know we have so much work to do uh, before we're ready for it. So you're going out there in July? Yeah, I'm flying out in July. Oh, I I find out about that on the show, huh? (laughs) Well, um, yeah. Yeah, Glad to hear that. I'll stay here and work. Don't worry about me. Well, I figured figured you, you, uh, you were busy. Yeah, I know what you're doing. You're going out there and hit hit those tables. No, I'm not going to do that at all. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just wanted to definitely uh, definitely mention that because that's so thrilling what, what they've done with uh, with the human trafficking. Uh, and Kyla will be there. You know, she's going to be presenting not just on human trafficking, but uh, I mean, she's a whiz at social media. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she's going to be on the the panel. Uh, for social media, we're going to have a, a an expert panel just like we do trucking. So if uh, people have questions about, you know, how they can put up a blog or, you know, how to do this, Twitter, Facebook, I mean, there's going to be six people on there. Well, we've got we've got Chris Voss, like you said, and I mean, he was listed in the top 50 in Forbes magazine, but if you look at that list, he's actually in the top 20. Oh yeah, he's. I think it was uh, number 18. 18. Oh. Mm-hmm. So um, we're just thrilled to death, and he's uh, he's actually really excited uh, to be to be coming to this convention because you know he he said he's looked at it and you can see it's it's quite an event. So yeah, uh, we'll just look forward to it all. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to add anything? Any of your thoughts to it? Because. I could just go on and on forever about it, but, you know. No, that's good. You did good. Okay. I try not to, you know. Well, you know, it goes by so fast, it's going to be here before we know it. That's the thing. Well, I know. But but I'm just amazed that when I look at the people attending and the speakers and the sponsors, and it's like, man, this is like a – uh, a list of the industry. It is. It is, and and it, it's so it's so rewarding. You know, we we put so much work into this, and it was such a a vision, a dream. And when you first start it, you think, well, I don't know. And then you hear all the naysayers. You know, oh, good luck trying to get drivers, and uh, just a lot of negativity in the beginning. And I think. You know, a lot of people would have quit at that point, um, but we didn't, and it's okay, you know, uh, because it turned out great the first year, and, and we can see this year it's just shaping up even better, and people are jumping on board and really excited about it. So, um, well, like you said, Alan, it'll be here before we know it, so. Okay, no. well, enjoy your trip out there next month. <laughs> 
And so is that it? That's what you got? I I believe that's it. Well, I do have the um, missing truck driver. We had a um, an episode tonight, but it's just to show you the power of social media. Once again, uh, Kari Fisher's uh, group, Missing Truck Driver Alert on uh, Facebook, um, we had jo- uh, Josh Wenger was missing, and turned out his truck was just, uh, you know, broken down. Thank God, and, you know, nothing happened to him. Uh, but his mom was concerned. She notified all of us. And before you know it, you know, he realized, you know, he needed to call somebody. But the missing truck driver alert will be at the convention. And uh, it's a, a tremendous way to for the awareness of missing truck drivers because so many times, for months even, weeks, drivers go missing and they're not found. Uh, and with social media and this new... Uh, Facebook page and web page, uh, people get the alert immediately of the make of the truck, the driver's name, where it was last seen, and uh, and they can help in locating the these uh, these missing truck drivers. And even the police have a difficult time locating them. So uh, we're real thrilled about that also. And it'll be uh, we haven't met her yet, so it'll be a, a a thrill to meet her and Lee. Yeah, and it's already proven itself. So check it out at a missing truck driver. Uh, is it missing truck driver alert dot com? I think I think they changed it. I think it, initially it might have been it's missing truck driver. I've got it right here, missing truck driver dot com. Yeah, and because it's already proven itself. So, but uh, okay, sounds good. Uh, time is winding down here. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites. We appreciate it. Special thanks again to our guest, Sandy Long. Uh, 40 years out there. Boy, hats off to you. Check out her blog. Great information. Justaladydriver.wordpress.com. Uh, you can learn a lot from that. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in again, everybody hanging on and listening. And a uh, few there in the chat room, thanks for joining us. And uh, until next time, on behalf of Donna and for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. So drive safe, everybody. And uh, thanks for listening.